Monday, Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Long weekend. Hope everybody's enjoying it. Be safe, be happy, be healthy. It is the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Shout out to everybody uh, celebrating Martin Luther King Day. Do what you got to do. Take that extra day of rest. You know, get some chores done around the house. Dave Early and I, we are here on the podcast. Chill ride, chill vibes as always. Dave, how you doing? I'm well. Thanks for having me back. I, I mean, having you back is kind of an understated term at this point. Like I, <laughs> we've we've talked about this before. You're we're all right. We're, good to good to be back with you. We're we're brothers now, fam. Come on, yeah, like, yeah. You have you you have a seat at the cookout. Okay. Oh, thanks thanks for not firing me yet. <laughs> okay. I would never fire you, David. One because I don't have the power to do so. Um. So we talked on the last podcast about the favorable schedule that the Sixers have going into this West Coast swing. And it didn't seem like they were on board with the possibility of catching ground there for a second. It started by losing by 19 at home to the Thunder. Uh, let's just let's just start there. Uh, Dave, what happened? What the hell? It's the Thunder, for God's sake. Yeah, they have some uh, some really head scratching games. Sometimes that was certainly one of them. Um, they had a nice was it a ten zero run, or they cut a ten point game and they even took the lead in the third quarter. Um, but they had not been playing very well before that point. I mean, their defense just looked like trash. Didn't look like. They had any plan or scheme or fit or way to match up with a guy like SGA, right? Right. And I'll, I'll get into that as we continue the... Uh, Dave, I think you know where I'm going with this, but can, I continue. I know where you're going with this. Continue. Yeah. Keep going. So uh, a- after the game, a lot of the talk was about we can't stop ball handlers. Kai Carlin of Sixers Wire, he, he put it gently. He said... Doc Rivers calls team out for lack of individual defense. But really, I think it was Doc making some excuses, um, blaming his players when some of it was schematic. And you would have liked to have heard him say, put some of that on my shoulders. Instead, Doc wound up saying, like, I was, you know, I was pleading with this team to realize this team has spirit and not to take them for granted, but we couldn't get through. And a lot of it was straight line drives just blowing by our guys, which starts to hint a little bit at the personnel of the Sixers and the starting lineup with Maxi and Harden. If you got both of them out there, it is going to be tough to get stops. But to hear Doc saying stuff like that is pretty interesting. I'm going to come back to that point in a second. But I am looking up the uh, the box score from that night against the Thunder. Okay, I do see Joel Embiid. He played 28 minutes. I do see Harden. He played 36. I see Maxi played 33. So... Clearly, we had all the starters in, but like you said, SGA going off for 37, 8, and 6. I I don't care. Like, you're not going to win games when you allow that kind of thing to happen for, from one player. Very interesting moment in that game. I think it was a routine play where the Sixers run a couple screens and Harden throws a pocket pass to Embiid at his corner elbow office. Yeah. And Embiid clearly tweaked his right foot. You heard uh, Kate and Allah notice it immediately. And he kind of lumbered and limped through the next stretch of play. And after the Sixers had just climbed back into that game, 
Then they went right at him, and mm-hmm. he was he was slow to get out on Muscala for kickouts, and he wasn't protecting the rim. I think he was visibly limping. It was his right foot. Now, mind you, he has dealt with the mid the midfoot sprain dating back to the Minnesota game in November, and then Correct. he and then he rolled it again um, in a in a more recent game against New Orleans, I believe. And he said it felt similar. I don't know if it's the same thing, but it felt similar this time against the Thunder. It was his right foot. When asked about it after the game, he said, "I tweaked my foot again." So. I guess he's got stuff going on in both feet. Uh, you saw him hit back-to-back game winners in the next two games after that in Utah and Los Angeles. Right. So it's not like this is stopping him from dominating and winning basketball games, but it is clearly impeding his defense, I think. And if you wanted to ask him in one of these games, what do you mean when you said you tweak your foot again? Do you mean another foot, or do you mean this is related to plantar fasciitis? Do you mean it's related to the sprain in November? You know, which foot is which? Do they both hurt? What's up? Like, give us some kind of input here so we can, like, let us fix you, you know? Yeah. Let's get, let's go right to the Jazz game. And again, similar thing happens. Jordan Clarkson goes off for 38, 9, and 5. And somehow the Sixers won that game. I I maintain they honestly should have lost that game. They really should have lost that game. The fact that Joel hit that game winner at the end, I'm just like, I mean, that's fine. It'll it'll count as a win in the win column, but Sixers clearly didn't deserve to win that game as much as they let Jordan Clarkson go off. At, that game was just frustrating to me. Yeah, we were frustrated talking about it a little bit offline that like the whole first half against the Thunder, they didn't try Matisse on SGA. And the second half they did, but it was in some lineups without James and Joel. And you know how those goes. There was a lineup with Joel, but that was the same stretch that Joel was hurt. And if you think I'm making excuses for Matisse, I might be, but I think there's also some truth to it. Any one player might be doomed in Doc Rivers' current favorite, no hard and no Embiid lineups. And those lineups especially are getting torched by guards. You've seen SGA, you've seen Clarkson. Um, some of their recent losses, I mean, you saw Levine a few nights ago. They just don't have any way to lock up a guard. They seem, you know, surprisingly baffled by this. Their defensive scheme in some of these games, I just haven't agreed with. And Los Angeles was the worst of all because they're playing LeBron James like he's Clay Thompson, like he's going to hit pull-up threes. And it lets him make spin moves and just get to the rim and find open dunks over and over and over again. And they they played Russ too closely as well. And to your point about Matisse in those no-Joel lineups, as great as a defender uh, as Thibel is, like, you know, you you play pickup, you play organized basketball, and it's like, it's nice when you know you have that guy on the back end just being like, all right, if my guy blows by me, I know that I have protection back there. And we're not like Montrez Harrell is not going to do similar defensive things that MB does. PJ Tucker is not going to do that if it's a small ball lineup. Like I, it just made no sense to have those rotations the way they were against Utah and uh, Oklahoma City. Yeah, uh, Doc Rivers, and we could talk about this after the break, mentioned that they w- they do want to toggle the starting lineup a little bit. Um, 
But you've got Maxi out there, and since he's returned, he's had his hot shooting nights, but he hasn't been quite the impact player. I mean, he's been a, basically a volume scorer since he's returned from foot injury. Yes. And if you are going to toggle some of these lineups, I think sliding in DeAnthony Melton for P.J. Tucker, which I'm sure you would agree with, you've already stated that, um, I'm, I'm, and I think I've, I agree with slotting anyone in over PJ Tucker. I don't care who it is. And then it, maybe a giving... it could be, it could be you in the starting lineup game. And I feel a hell of a lot more comfortable doing that. I'm not sure my lateral speed is up to snuff, even with PJ Tucker's right now, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah. And then giving Melton a rest or even giving Maxi a rest and bringing Matisse in. I mean, Matisse is not a great one-on-one on the ball stopper he gets yeah. beat and then he makes plays from behind but if you can have someone else checking a guy with the ball let Matisse kind of roam that's when he really gives you his value so I always... some... sorry go ahead some of those lineups where he might share the floor with Melton when a guy like Levine is just going gangbusters a guy like SGA I mean even a guy like Russell Westbrook like and Westbrook he's... went off for a triple double yeah, these are the these are the times where you you can put out your stoppers with the starters. I'm not not these lineups with Niang, Shake, and Trez because that you're in trouble regardless of your best wing defender. Yes. Um. So I think their substitution patterns. I forget how Adam Aronson, former Liberty Ballers, now with rights to Ricky, phrased it. He said something like, "They're just lazy and incompetent substitutions and rotations." Yeah, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. With the and the the Lakers game again, Sixers probably should have lost that game too. Like LeBron goes off for thirty five and ten. It was maddening. Westbrook had his triple double like the way they defended Clarkson and SGA like I totally expected Dennis Schroeder to go off for like 40 points I just don't understand like was this Doc Rivers decision was this Dan Burke who was often the defensive coordinator's decision was Dave Yeager and Sam Cassell on board with you know like face guarding PJ Tucker on the second night of a back-to-back was fighting so hard to get over screens on LeBron James and I'm like Dude, if you had just rested and ducked under that screen, you were probably so tired. So some of this wasn't just like the Sixers are fatigued. Some of this was clearly strategy because they were up in the chest of guys who shoot like 20% on pull-up threes. Right. And and they were giving up dunks. For the Sixers to give up, what was it, like 70 points in the paint against the Lakers? Unbelievable. You'd think to yourself, okay, so maybe the Lakers had a random scorching hot from three night. No, they were cold from three. So why were the Sixers defending them like they were the 2018 Warriors with Steph, Clay, and KD? And now we're coming up on the back end of this West Coast swing. Sixers have the, the Clippers coming up, and, you know, Kawhi looks like he's getting his legs back. And, of course, they have Paul George. And like I'm, uh, like Matisse has to play in those games. He has to. Matisse has to play at least 25, 30 minutes, right? Just against the Clippers alone. Yeah, James Harden has looked so good lately that they have overcome these horrific game plans. And Joel is Joel. I mean, even though he's limping around out there, he's just you know completely dusting fools. And you saw him posterize. I think it was Wendy and Gabriel, right? Yes. So they'll have a chance. I mean, they have a chance. This is a brutal stretch. The Clippers are tough. We saw when they came to Philly just how absolutely deep they are. Steve Ballmer spends 
as well as anyone as he should. I mean, that's how you win in this league. Spend more than spend forty million dollars more than the Sixers, and your bench is going to score a lot more than guys like Shake Milton and George Niang on a night to night basis. I tell you um, what, I tell you what though, Robert Covington is going to go off for thirty points. Mark it down right now. He didn't even play in the last time they faced Sixers. I, I'm, so. I'm just saying that's happening. I'll just mark it down. Mark it down. Mark my words. January 16th, 3 10 p.m. Eastern. I said on the podcast that Robert Covington is going off for 30 points against the Sixers, given how their wing defense has been the last couple of games. If the Sixers win the game and Cove gets 40, I will actually be pretty happy with that outcome. I mean, um, I kind of will too, because I miss Ro I miss Roko so much. Or better yet, they think he's washed and Daryl Moore gets him at the deadline for Corkma somehow. Just fan which is fantastic for me. But then <laughs> after that, after that, you have to go to the Moda Center and play freaking Dame Lillard. Okay. Yeah, we might need to put an all NBA defender out there against Lillard. Might and then be you a got good De'Aaron idea. Fox, and then you got De'Aaron Fox, and then you got Kyrie Irving, and then you got Jokic and Jamal Murray. It's so, going to get rough. Not only do you have De'Aaron Fox on the Kings, but you also have Kevin Herter and Malik Monk, and Malik Monk is playing well this season. And we know about Kevin Herter versus the Sixers, too. Oh, d yeah, let's, let's not bring that into question. And then, uh, like you said, yes, Kyrie and then Jamal Murray – What's that, next week? Yeah, uh, like 10 days from now? The Clippers, Blazers, Kings, Nets. Those are the next four. Uh, I mean, Joel Embiid has game winners in back-to-back -back games, both on pocket passes from Harden. So they've got a really nice two-man thing going right here. The, the mid-range game, which is like anti-Mori ball from the old days, although Darrell would say, hey, we ran it with Chris Paul. We're just for whatever works. Mori ball is for efficiency. Yeah. If Joel's going to be this efficient on mid-range, we don't mind at all. Uh, and there's a lot of truth to that. He also gets fouled on some of those mid-range attempts, getting guys to pump fake him. So it's winning basketball. Um, but for now man, it is. But, man, it could have been so much easier in some of these games, and they, they should have had better game plans, and it's baffling to me. They deserve better than what this coaching staff has done. Absolutely. And we're going to go into the break, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about uh, some of – more of Doc Rivers' rotations. I feel like this is a recurring thing on this podcast now, where like every week we only we, several years. Don't worry. Yeah, right. We we bitch and complain about Doc Rivers' rotations, like uh, whatever. It's we're just gonna keep complaining until he finally listens to any one of the fine podcasts on the Liberty Polish Podcast Network, including Out of Sight. And to that effect, we're gonna go into the break, pay some of these sponsors, satisfy the admin. Out of Sight Podcast, back after these words. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. The Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network Special MLK Edition. Adil Royster here with Dave Early, as always. We went into the break uh, com getting ready to complain about Doc Rivers' rotations. So let, let's just get back to that, shall we? Um, 
you have said and you've read also that like there have been some rumblings some musings if you will that like doc might be tinkering with his rotations with a starting lineup uh, is is this like is this the magic word are these the magic words that we've been wanting to hear for like months now we're finally gonna get it well, he said that we're going to go with like three different starting lineups after the Lakers game, I believe. Um, and I saw you, you figure he means Melton's going to slide in for one of Tucker or Maxi different games, and they'll, they'll kind of toggle through those. Um, I was reading Derek Bodner for Daily Six had a good piece basically saying like the Sixers might have a top five defense. But now we have enough information to realize that when Maxi and Harden are both out there together, this isn't a top five defense. This is more of a top 10-ish offense um, and a more middling defense. And that's been exaggerated the times where we've seen him be limping around out there or, right. or just out of the lineup altogether. So the true Sixers probably don't have the type of defense that we're seeing their defic defensive efficiency rate at. And coming into the season, wasn't that kind of something that was being preached? Like, Joel was just like, I want to be defensive player of the year. We're going to concentrate on defense. We're going to focus on defense. And all of a sudden, you look now, and Maxi, like, while he's not, like, a terrible defender, like you said, the, the defense kind of falls off when it's Maxi and Harden together. You're not going to get stops with those two. I think it's frustrated Joel lately where he's like, yeah, I might be banged up, but please someone help me out here. Like I can't, I can't check your guys guards and also keep an eye on the guy they're lobbing it to behind me. Um, so, you know, I think that, I think that they have some real problems there. And if it's not just a matter of like shuffling around the rotations, they might need like a small forward who can play D you hope Daniel house might be that he hasn't been. Uh, and then like, when Gee, you have if Niang, only we had one of those, <laughs> right. You, when you've got Niang out there, the defense hurts. When you've got Matisse out there, the offense hurts. And so, you know, right now in the short term, the, the schedule gets really hard. You, you could be eyeing a two seat here. And I think that's why they're probably feeling a little bit aggressive playing Joel and playing James when they're both limping. Okay. Uh, thinking like, you know, our chance might be to beat out teams like the Nets who are now dealing with the Kevin Durant injury, the Bucks, who, I don't know, does Giannis have the yips currently or something right now? He's lost his touch a little bit. Not looking um, good for Giannis and the Bucks have lost two straight. Yeah. <laughs> so they're, you know, a little bit of hardship does impact other teams occasionally and that's good. So maybe they want to put the pedal to the metal during the easier por portion of the schedule that was in the past now. Um, but I don't know. And the, the Sixers are only half a game out of the two seed right now. And you would like to not just pass Brooklyn and Milwaukee, but, you know, get a little ground on them too. Speaking of Brooklyn, that's coming up on the slate. And Kyrie Irving just threw a little bit of shade at your boy, James Harden. It's fine. What did, what did Kyrie have to say? Now, Chris not like I paid any, any mind anyway. Kristen Winfield of New York Daily News said to him, like, you know, KD sprained his MCL last year. You guys lost 11 straight. How are you going to avoid that this time with KD out of the lineup? And he was basically like, well, I'm in every game now. And you don't have anyone who's half in, half out of the locker room, halfway in, halfway out, basically. Hint, hint, you know who he means. 
Kyrie, Kyrie, you have a lot of nerve saying anybody is half in, half out. Okay. Like you okay, I'm not even gonna address that. I'm not Kyrie Kyrie was literally a part-time player only because the team decided to let him back from being a non-time player. I am not even Kyrie, I'm not even gonna dignify that with a response, okay? Just kettle black, you know the rest of it. You that's I don't have to say any more than that. And then the Sixers will host these guys, so it certainly ups the intensity. If you're already looking forward to booing Ben Simmons, now you've got this too. So I and hope, you're... I hope Embiid and Harden combine and go off for like 95 points against those clowns. Now it would be really fun to see. Yeah, I remember Kyrie. I remember Tyrese Maxey at the beginning of last season had a really nice game, hitting a bunch of baseline jumpers to beat them uh, as well. So. You know, it's not, they haven't met in the postseason in, in quite some time, and it was just first round, and KD wasn't there, right? So yeah. it's not really technically a rivalry, but it's got all the uh, the vibes of a rivalry. Just last thing to circle back on Doc Rivers, how you were saying that, like what he was saying, he was kind of putting some of the onus on the players. Uh, I kind of feel that's a little bit or a lot detrimental, especially when you're already going through the – especially when guys like Embiid are already frustrated with the defensive schemes and the rotations and things like this is just another thing where it's just going to be like, all right, Doc's talking. I'm just going to tune this. I'm just going to tune this out because F that he's trying to throw me under the bus. Yeah. Doc did mention like after he said a lot of these, these blaming things, he did said, I need, I need to be better. So if you just take that one quote, you're like, Hey, Doc Rivers said he needs to coach better. That's great. Um, so but do com- it, Jesus. So coming- <laughs> yeah, he's he hasn't done it since. It's been a couple of games, and I mean the game plan for that Lakers game. I'm I'm still pulling my hair out and sweeping it from around my apartment. I'm like, that was don't, atrocious. Don't guard LeBron James 35 feet away from the rim. Don't go over screens on him. Don't face guard, chest guard Russell Westbrook. What are you like, doing? Like he's Steph Curry. Wait for them. And it was funny because you would get a guy like Trez or Niang who are slow-footed and would play them way off. And you think, oh, that's lazy defense. But it was working. It actually led to like missed mid-range jumpers by both of them and rebounds for the Sixers. That's how you play them. P.J. Tucker, Joel, Matisse, these guys should have been doing the same. Clearly, they had been coached to to do it the opposite. And you see Maxi and Tobias closing out on these non-shooters like they're absolutely wet, and it was crazy. Yeah, like I'm I'm sorry, Terrence Mann does not scare me. Like I'm sorry, he just doesn't. Wait, does Terrence Mann? No, wrong LA team. I'm sorry, that's the Clippers. My you, fault. You know, guys like um, Troy Brown Jr. That's yeah, that's who I meant. Sorry, or Dennis Schroeder. I mean, Joel's taking out, guarding Thomas Bryan and Wendy Gabriel away from the hoop. They, you know, they can make open threes, but to play them like this just basically gives them open dunks, and it was a mistake. Now we have, we're in mid-January, so trade deadline talk is obviously heating up, and there were some ideas being thrown around. Uh, Harrison Grimm, for example, suggested that uh, the Suns are interested in Jalen McDaniels from uh, Charlotte. Actually, kind of like that piece for the Sixers a little bit. If they can, like, listen, like I told you on Twitter, like I'm already prepping for a Cat Five hurricane over uh, Corkmaz Island, and I'm just, I'm just evacuating survivors right now. Um, 
Eric, Gor- <laughs> Eric Gordon is like, yo, I want to get the hell out of here. And Eric Gordon has been a sixer for like seven years now at this point. Um, all eyes are on the Raptors. Harrison also hinting Siakam at an Ananobi. I don't think the Sixers are getting any of those guys. Uh, Pacers are buyers. Sure. Okay. Uh, Utah. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be too mad at Malik Beasley if I'm being completely honest. But specifically, you had a piece about Cam Reddish, and I'm really interested in the thought process here because I I like Cam Reddish. You can get him. You said in your piece you can get him for like two second round picks. Like that's like nothing because we stockpile those things around here. He's six eight, good wingspan. I I'd be down just to give the the hometown boy a shot. Yeah, I mean, if it's true that the Knicks are willing to trade him for two second round picks, I'm upset that the Sixers don't have him already. Uh, I know that. He may still see himself as the five-star recruit out of Norristown, PA. He was. He may still see himself as that 10th overall pick. And he he has the shooting profile of a guy who sometimes appears to believe he's Paul George already, and but those yeah. shots are just not dropping. And if the Sixers got him, what they really need him to be is a version of DeAnthony Melton, who gets a lot of deflections, can check you. I mean, you saw him when he was guarding Tyrese Maxey back in November. Remember that game? There was no Embiid, no Harden. The yep. Sixers had a pretty, pretty big double digit lead, and they lost that game. And Reddish did an excellent job on some possessions on Maxey. So you know he's got length. You know he can move his feet. He loves to leap into the passing lanes, and he's only 22, 23. He made like six three pointers in a conference finals game. He played at Duke. I, I think he's got the pedigree to be a real NBA player. And if you're getting like bottom basement level prices, just go for it. You'll have his bird rights. If you could talk him into a deal that's like 10 million or less for next season and he could grow into that, maybe exactly. you could sell him on start off as a three and D player, help us win the title. If Tobias Harris isn't part of the long-term plan around here, there's a lot of room for you to grow and earn some big money. Uh, you know, as you develop, give Doc Rivers and Sam Cassell a chance to get back to their development shops because they did a great job developing Tyrese Maxey. Yes. And they've done a terrible job developing anyone else ever since to their, you know, in their defense. Like, I guess they feel we're contenders now. We don't have time to play Paul Reed, Jaden Springer, Charles Bassey, or any of these other guys, Isaiah Joe, that you might have wanted to see out there. But if you had a guy who was a 10th overall pick and who's 6'8", 215, maybe he'd be a little bit easier to develop. I don't know. There is something to be said about his shooting, and you did point this out as well, and I actually looked up his Duke stats. He's shooting 84% from the uh, free throw line, so his shot isn't broken. It's not it's not like, like Thibel. It's Even not like the Thibel. percentages might be the same, yeah. It's not a work in progress, anything like that. Reddish did shoot about 34% in college, which is what about what he's doing right now. But he's also chucking like seven attempts a game at that point. You get that number down to like four or five. I, I feel like those percentages might go up a little bit. Well, his, his the thing is, his shot selection is like really frustrating Not because <laughs> you'll you'll kick it to him and he'll get closed out on completely covered and then he'll shoot it anyway and you're like all right so what if he didn't do that 
could, if he was if he was only shooting four absolutely wide open corner threes per game and and giving you good defense, uh, that would be something the Sixers could certainly work with. And I um, love the graphic that you put in the piece where it shows that yeah, Cam Reddish is very good on one side of the court, and as you point out, this is where James would need him to spot up anyway. Yeah, and just like. Matisse and a lot of right-handed shooters, the left baseline is their favorite spot. You remember in the old days, Bruce Bowen used to like that spot. Um, Bruce Bowen. It's easier, it's easier for guys to get their elbow tucked in and get a better line from the left side if you're a righty. Often why Harden likes to take his step backs on the right side. It's the opposite. Yeah. So that's where you would station a guy like that. But he, like you said, he would be kind of a work in progress. He's pretty raw. If he'd be okay just coming in and giving them some three and D stuff, um, that's to be seen. But you hear the teams like the Bucks are sniffing around; they wouldn't have a bigger role to offer for him as a ball handler either. So no. Uh, so th- this will be this will be fun trade deadline wise. Like I, I don't. I would like him to maybe swing for a Jalen McDaniel's if it costs you. Furcon and a first. I, I think that's what it would cost, right? I don't I don't know if I would do that, but um yeah, I reddish seems like a low risk, high reward kind of trade. Yeah, I don't think the high reward would come this season. No. Uh I think that would be more if you got him to agree to stay to a team friendly deal if possible, a one year prove it deal if possible. Uh, and then he blossoms into something more, and you can work out an extension. You got guys like Jason Tatum who've scored 44, 35, 33, 51 points in his last four games. Jesus. And the Sixers just clearly don't have answers for guys who can do that right now. I mean, they're just getting absolutely torched by good driving and shooting players. And if all it costs you is two second-round picks, Daryl, pick up the phone. Pick up the phone and just bring them home. Pick up the phone. I will loan you my cell phone and I will delete the contact information off of my phone. Just like pick up the phone and call him. Call uh, World Wide West up there in New York. Just do it. I Whatever. Yeah. If you could do better, you know, if you could get Jay Crowder and you think that's better, fine, by all means. But if you can't and this is a burden hand, go for it. Can we do Jay Crowder for PJ Tucker? Can we do that, please? I think you'd rather both, and then maybe you could get Tucker fresh again by the playoffs. I'm just, I'm just thinking of ways I can get PJ Tucker out of here, but like, yeah, that's not with that contract. That's not happening anytime soon. <laughs> I'd rather rest them than quit on them. You're, you're always listen. You're always trying to trade for Kevin Durant. I'm always trying to trade out PJ Tucker. Like that's how, that's how this podcast works. We have. We have weekly bits that we need to accomplish every week. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but now that we've now that we've uh, satisfied uh, the pairs of uh, running gags on this podcast, I would say it's a good stopping point for now. As always, listen, follow, subscribe to the podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. We're on all mediums where you get podcasts, so Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all that fun stuff. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me. I am at D.O.B. Royster. You can follow David at David, no underscore, David Early. You can follow the website, Liberty underscore Ballers. Out of sight podcast. We're going to get out of here. We will talk to everybody next week, wherein hopefully we have 
more wins and better rotations to talk about. How about that, Dave? Let's let's go for one of those. And speaking of our bits, your boy Corkmaz, I don't think he's going to be on this team after that trade deadline. What do you think? I don't think so either. Like like I said, like I'm already evacuating all of the uh inhabitants of Corkmaz Island. Like we're all we we just have to get off. Like that's Or you could be redeemed if he gets playing time and balls out somewhere else. I mean, sure. Like, I, I, you know me. I'm going to hold on to that Corkmoss stock as long as humanly possible until I get some kind of return on it. Because I invested heavily. Yeah. But until then, we are going to get out of here. Out of Sight Podcast. Subscribe. Follow us on the socials. We'll be back next week. Peace, love, and go Sixers. We're out of here. Yeah.